welcome to Movie Buffs, a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Shani B. You can find me on all the socials at Shani B Movies. I'm your host, Cisco, aka Misfit Minded, and you can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Obviously, we got to talk movies because last week I saw Prey. I was so excited for you to see it. And this week you have. So tell me your feelings. Share with me your feelings, please. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much share your uh, your your take on it that what, what you had last week. Um, still, pro- I still prefer the original. It's like it's hard to beat, you know, Arnold. Like you know, Nothing like we it. talked about that before. That's our guy, and like just all the macho like manness of that first movie. It's just like so hilarious uh, and so good. Um, just one of the best action movies of all time. It's hard to beat that, uh, but. I think they did a nice job. They had a great concept. Uh, the execution was on point. I think it started off a little bit slow. I could have, um, you know, had the Predator come in earlier. Like, they, you could tell they were trying to do the first Predator movie thing of, like, you know, not revealing their Predator right away, which, like, it works fine in the first Predator movie when you don't know what the Predator looks like. But, like, at this point, there's been, like, how many Predator movies? It's just, like, I kind of just wanted to get the action rolling, like, right away. <laughs> uh, but I, I I totally get why they were, like, studied the, the first blueprint very closely. Um, I love that they didn't, like, you know, uh, do, like, just callback after callback. You know, like, the, uh, the new Ghostbusters, for example. You know, right. just and just refuses to be its own thing like no this is its own it's a dope movie if it didn't have if it wasn't a predator movie it was already going to be a dope movie it just happened to have the predator ip inserted into it which is which is the way you should make movies you shouldn't totally you shouldn't make it around ip you should make it like the good idea first uh dan trachtenberg had the the native american versus like uh predator idea and uh, he spent years trying to get this thing made. I heard an interview with him um, on a podcast this week, and it was just like fascinating to hear like how long it took for this movie to to get made, and uh, wow. you know from pitch from pitching it to actually getting it made, uh, and then how it like ended up on Hulu. It's pretty uh, pretty fascinating. But um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. The whole room liked it, and then um, we were just in the mood, and so we we just booted up the original Predator right afterwards. I do. Uh, it's just. <laughs> And uh, perfect, perfect double feature. Like if you're wanting to watch it, um, so yeah, I'm kind of wanted like to uh, you know keep going on the franchise. I think I'm, I think I might if I get some time. But um, I'm also desperately trying to catch up with Better Call Saul because the series finale is tonight. I'm still not caught up yet, but I'm I'm very close. I'm very close. I'm on I'm one season Eight behind things. only. So yeah, you can do so, this. But yeah, but praise praise good. I really wish it came out in theaters. I, I really don't know. I know Same. why is because of the, you know, 20th century merger. So I understand why, but I still it still bums me out that I couldn't have seen this on the big screen because uh, it's way better than any of the other Predator sequels we've gotten so far. Like easily number two, yeah. like we talked about <laughs> easily. Well, and I wish I wish that sometimes or that some of the streamers would get into more of a habit of releasing things on streaming like normal, but then doing some screenings where if people really wanted to see one of their movies on the big screen, they could. 
not like just for the prestige pictures they want Oscars, but like, you know, for like a great action film. I, I would love to have seen Red Notice in theaters. You know, I, there's a lot of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon movies that I would have watched on Amazon and then gone to the theater to see what it looked like on the big screen. So Prey is definitely one of those. No, totally. Yeah. I, I just, I had a really good time with it and, uh, it was one of those movies where like, I don't say this is a bad thing, but I was pretty much, I knew where the story was going the entire time and I still had a ball with it anyway. You know what I mean? I still, uh, really, I love the direction of it and how, uh, you know, Trachtenberg shot the thing and, uh, just the the female protagonist and, uh, you know, all the online, uh, anonymous users, calling her a Mary Sue and how unrealistic it is. Like, just fuck off. Like, it's Yikes. a great movie. And I feel like they say that about every single movie with a woman in it. So it's just like, yeah, at yep. this point, you're never gonna, you're never gonna make the trolls happy. Uh, you know, it's, it's an alien nope, for God. I mean, What's realistic about a Predator movie? You know what I mean? You're looking for realism in a Predator movie? Come on. <laughs> it's true it's true they're they they're always gonna gripe with ladies in the lead and they're always gonna never have girlfriends and that's their prerogative no, right exactly uh but i mean i thought honestly even like looking at through that lens they did a very good job establishing why she was uh, a good foe against the predator they yes, every totally. turn they establish why she's trained for this, how she's outsmarting him. It's not like she's getting into like fist fights with a predator. You know what I'm saying? And like <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's like none Arnold of that. Style. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not that at all. It's, it's she's setting tra booby traps and uh you know using her brains more than the brawn of it. Um, even though she tries a few times, but I feel like they yeah. established pretty early on she needs gun the guns and her uh tomahawk or whatever uh but yeah i thought like they established that she wanted to be a warrior she wasn't allowed to be a warrior and at the end she becomes a warrior like you know what i mean it's very simple and so it's true yeah, I, it's I, sort thought of, it was, I thought it was good yeah and it definitely matches with how the original predator is about the most pristine man that could exist you know arnold he is the greatest version of a dude and this movie kind of sought out to show like, well, what's the strongest version of a female character? And it's someone who uses their wits and problem solving and creativity in a way because they can't use brawn. And I kind of like that that's always what's underneath all the Predator movies is the most worthy adversary. And it doesn't really matter the gender. It's, it's more about the strength that the individual has. And so I, I appreciate that just about the Predator franchise. Yeah, I mean, and just the the Native American aspect and just how, I mean, she just gets pretty much like abused and basically told to to get back and like know your role, get back to what yeah. you you know know what to do and uh you know, she like you said, she basically by herself like proves that she's like capable um and I didn't think it was so like dope. unrealistic at, at all. Like, I thought it was I thought it was uh, believable and uh, just a, just an overall like good movie and like I said there was like things that I was like ahead of I was like oh, okay I see what they're doing here because you just you see so many predator movies you kind of <laughs> yeah. get the formula down about how the predator's weaknesses it like is and you know it, it's tricky being in the 1700s and like they don't know what heat vision is so it's like they yeah. have to like work around that predator is like so much more advanced than these people but again they do a good job of like 
setting everything up. I don't want to spoil it because it's fairly new, but um, yeah, it's on Hulu right now. Go watch it, guys. It's good. Yes. Mo- yes. Um, and- movie Buffs approves. <laughs> yes, Movie Buff approved for sure. And yeah. realism is a great way for us to segue into the movie we're doing today because the most realistic in Prey is looking for a kind of realism that I am so shocked to say Robocop randomly is able to capture. So uh, anything else you want to mention before we get into it? Just those two. Any anything that you had um, that you saw recently? I'm I'm trying to. I think I'm going to see Nope tonight. I'm I'm finally going to see Nope. And then we can talk about yes. it next time. But yeah. Okay. Other than cool, that, cool. that's all I've seen. Anything you've seen? Nah, I've just been watching Blown Away season three. Just watching those Glassmasters, getting totally lost. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's easy to get lost in that for sure. It's it's magical. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Um, but yeah, all right, let's get into this. Today, we're talking about the 1987 film Robocop because it's 35 years old this year, which is amazing considering what, everything what? we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's about a terminally wounded cop who is revived by Omnicorp as a prototype for a new kind of law enforcement cyborg. After returning to the force, he's haunted by submerged memories and he sets out to destroy the evil corp that created him. So that's definitely understating the level of nuance (laughs) and layers (laughs) that exist in this movie. But um, tell me how you feel about it. You know, what, what do you love? What do you hate? What is your relationship? Um, I love this movie. It holds up better and better every time, every year, uh, every time I watch it, it's got everything. It's an action packed cop movie. Uh, it's a sci-fi tragic Frankenstein story with a cyborg in it. And it's a pointed satire about capitalism and crime and how they're connected. And that's all in one movie. Genius. Yeah. Genius. Literally genius. Yeah. It works on all those levels. And I think that's why I love it because obviously when I'm a kid, I miss all of the satire and capitalism stuff. Uh, You know what I mean? Like I'm just looking at the fucking blood squibs and all the gore and being like, this movie's awesome. And then now that like, you know, college education and watch this movie now it's like oh shit like they're actually not saying that this is awesome <laughs> like that's right this is actually not awesome that like you know cops are being militarized and the technology and, yeah. and capitalism and and how they are taking over uh these poor cities so yeah it's it's we'll get into it but there's there's a lot you can read into but also you can just it's one of those action movies you can also just sit back and enjoy the action too because there's just like all-time action sequences and uh effects um and yes to add to that it's like it's a very simple story like what you read the synopsis there and uh which can go wrong but the great performances from everyone which we'll talk about really adds a layer you know what i mean they're hamming it up and they know they know the type of movie they're in you know what i mean which it really helps yes um and i think that access you know that the excess uh is perfect in in the time it was made late 80s it really encapsulates that post-vietnam era reagan era uh so so well yeah yeah excess Uh, across the board right everywhere there's excess at this time yeah 
And so, and and on top of that, it subverts a lot of action movie tropes, which we'll get into, and cop tropes. And uh, yeah, yeah, just once again, the violence and blood is gruesome. Uh, it's damn near a horror movie. How how bloody it is, uh, but I love it. It, it. it it the the horror fan in me is also like, damn, this movie like still. Uh, how do they get away with this? I think maybe because the material is not a horror movie, the MPAA kind of yeah. gave it a pass. Like, oh, they're trying to say something, so we'll let this slide. But it's like all my other favorite horror movies, they would never let this amount of gore slide. They always made them cut. So it's just fascinating to me that this movie, out of a lot of other ones, gets the pass. And, you know, is not rated X, even though there's this amount of blood and yeah. gore in it. It's pretty insane. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it truly is. And it wasn't for yeah. lack of trying because I was able to catch the Movies That Made Us episode on RoboCop. It's on Netflix. So if you get a chance, watch it. It's amazing. The story behind the movie is insane. But it did initially get an NC-17 rating. And of course, Paul Verhoeven was like, I'm not changing anything. So no way. And he's like, I'd rather not release it than compromise the original story. And the studio was like, we're cutting out like several seconds just because we need to get a rated R. You contractually said you'd make the film for this amount of money at an R rating. Do your job. And so somehow he has figured out to still get all of this in and collect that rated R uh, rating. And yeah, and Showgirls, which, which he later would direct, famously X-rated, uh, which he did not compromise on that film. And maybe he should have. Absolutely maybe not. Should, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have. You know, it it's, <laughs> depends on how you looked at, uh, at that film and, and if you like it or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, what about you? What do you think about this film? That's everything I had. I love this movie. I loved it when I was a kid, just like you, loving the excess and all of the blood and all of the violence. Just such a great time, so entertaining and really like thrilling also. So that's pretty cool. But I there's there's so many things I noticed because I also used to watch Starship Troopers a bunch when I was a kid because similar to this, it's also over the top and has a lot of stuff. Maybe doesn't also directed have as many by Paul Verhoeven, Paul Verhoeven for those who don't mm-hmm. know. Yep. probably doesn't have as much meaningful uh, material behind it, but I haven't rewatched it in a while. So maybe I will pick something up. It's just, like you said, this movie gets better and better. It, It is so smart about the kind of future it is painting based on what it's knowing of the time period, you know, like the product placement of Yamaha organs it gets me every time because first of all, the brand Yamaha being the ones that make organs is such a funny idea, but makes a lot of sense in the eighties when Yamaha is like the most, the biggest company. Um, I mean, and two in the heart, a heart is known as a ticker, which, you know, is like an <laughs> instrument, you know, so it kind of in a way makes sense, you know, <laughs> it's true. These, these yeah. companies are going to have to diversify in some way. And I right. really love the <laughs> imagination of, of, of just what the future would be and what what the world would be like when we get to a place where the corporations have privatized cops. You know, like the idea is crazy, but it's not so far-fetched, especially today. When but is it though? Is, is it? I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like that platform of defund the police is like a tiny pivot away from privatize the police. And then we're really in mm. trouble. Um, yeah. because it's probably gonna be like Bezos or uh, Elon who's like I mean there's already the I don't want that <laughs> the military is already privatized you know what I'm saying like so 
This that, is true. That's another, if you want to talk about one step away, that's one step away from bringing it over here. That The only difference is that we bring that shit overseas, but once that comes <laughs> into, into our country, which very well could be, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, given all the mm-hmm. unrest and just how the state of the country is right now, I mean, it could happen. You never know. That's why I like this movie. You know, the 80s was another time when a lot of turmoil was happening, even though people were trying to enjoy themselves and do a lot of cocaine and act like everything was okay. And this movie is trying to highlight the same contradictions that exist today, too, because, you know, like, as the film goes on, the police also turn on him. So he, this film makes an argument for the fact that, like, nobody is quite good or bad. Pretty much everybody can be corrupted. Everybody can have motives that aren't good. You know, like this movie even poses, I don't really know what the solution is because I don't think it's the RoboCop. We know it's not the droid and it isn't people. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's kind of like a warning more than any, more than providing a solution. It's more of a warning of like, this could happen and this shouldn't happen. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so absolutely. uh, yeah, it doesn't really provide. I mean, even though uh, Murphy gets kind of an arc, um, you know, and, and finds his identity t- by the end that it doesn't like provide a solution about other than just saying that, like, you know, uh, pointed like capitalism doesn't work and, you know, shouldn't be a shouldn't be a solution in itself. Uh, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like it, it, t- it definitely deals in socioeconomic Uh, models as well and sort of the value that is placed on the people and the city of Detroit you know because that's where this takes place and I love how this movie is not filmed in Detroit but it's still trying to like incorporate Detroit vibes which I think is really funny because again at the time there's a lot happening in in that same space and it is just interesting to think about how a lot of the cities that are featured in these old action movies, they get turned around and gentrified. And today you'd never recognize the like, you know, g- total grime that these movies relish in as they tell dystopian future stories. Well, like, I, I think it's fascinating, too, just that, uh, you know, you, you watch a lot of these futuristic dystopian movies and they're like made up fantasy cities and robocop is like this is detroit this is what detroit is gonna look like in a few years yeah <laughs> uh so i just that's like one thing that too that i feel like that sets it apart from like you know your blade runners or uh you know other other films oh, of yeah. that elk like you know but it's more of a judge dread demolition man type of like tr- trying to ground it in uh, what it would really look like, uh, you know, yeah. in the future, and you know, it's it, it it does ride that line. I think like fairly well of like it it doesn't try and like make every like flying cars and everything. You know what I mean? Like it's it's fairly grounded uh, into like what stuff looks like today, and uh, I think that helps it pretty like make those messages uh, a lot more clear that you don't have to worry about like what is that like what technology is that that doesn't exist here. It's like it's pretty straightforward. It's just like more TV screens and uh, you know, s- some of the weapons are upgraded. That's pretty much it. It's pretty low, low yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. it is much more like the, um, uh, like the progression into the future, you know, how yeah. technology, it isn't just the future, the way Blade Runner is already there. 
this is what it looks like to go from one society to the next and how bloody and messy that like a regime change can be. Because in a way, that's also what this movie is about. And I guess about how, you know, that kind of change is a really dangerous one when it's capitalistic. But it is pretty cool how they're able to get all of this into what, like you said, is ultimately just like a gun fest and a blood fest. And for me to still like have feelings is just amazing. <laughs> so shocking right. how good this movie is. Like truly, it really it's shocking is. how good this movie is. And I just had to double check. I guess Blade Runner is Los Angeles, which I forgot. But you know what I mean. Like other other sci-fi movies that they, they create their own worlds. Total Recall is like another Paul mm-hmm. Verhoeven film. It's like on Mars. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> there's like and yeah. like different planets and stuff like that. Like that's usually when you, you think of sci-fi. At least for me, mm-hmm. that's what I think of. Not like, you know, uh, District 9 and, and some of these other films that take place here. But uh, I do yeah. like them. I do I do like both. I like I like being taken to another location. And I also like being reminded like, hey, like, we're pretty close to, uh, you know, this <laughs> this dark future here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so I guess it depends on what mood you're in. Um, but yeah, as we go into our like our questions and plot hole segment here, any that... Uh, stick out to you in this otherwise perfect movie uh yeah i mean the the only qualms i have are so silly that it's kind of hard to find any any problems here you know like the Mm -hmm. what's really funny to me is in that open when the robot is only going to give you 20 seconds to comply that seems like a really dark future where you don't even have a second to think and and then of course the machine malfunctions so there's that too but Honestly, like the, the, even the details of what people are doing, like the gas station attendant studying plane geometry, all that stuff is just so incredibly impressive. I, the worst that that I can come up with is perhaps that sort of three-way hangout with cocaine before Kurtwood Smith comes in is the (laughs) most unbelievable. (laughs) Hey, but he's vice president. And when girls hear vice president, it turns them on, as we know. Uh, That's very true. (laughs) Which I think is like a very underrated line. Like the way she says, when I hear vice president, (laughs) that's that's what turns her on. Oh, my God. Yeah. What what about with you? Because obviously we're about to pin lots of ribbons to all the other pieces of filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, too, before I go to mine, like that scene uh, where that guy gets blown away in the boardroom, it's very early on. And I feel like that sets the tone for what kind of movie you're in for. Like if you're not in after that, then I I feel like what's wrong with you, A, uh, and B, like uh, you're just not going to get this movie or or be in for this ride. But um, I think it's 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 so dark and so over the top with the with the violence that. They talked about it. I have the Arrow uh, Blu-ray and I, I got to watch some of the special features, but they talked about how that kind of made it easier to to laugh at in a way. You know what I mean? Because it's so comic book aesthetic. It's so over the top that um, you're yep. forced to kind of laugh it off in a way. And so they make that very clear very early on. So I think even that is like, um, you know, that's intentional a lot. And, and we'll get right, into like some right. of the other stuff that they do to make those those choices they make um so yeah some of mine oh and then i also wanted to say too that gas station guy uh because that was something in the special features too where uh they asked one of the writers about um just how every 
there's so many characters in this movie and every character feels lived in. And then he was like specifically, he's like, even the, even the shell, the shell gas station guy has a story of like, he's a college boy and he's doing uh, geometry. And uh, the writer said that that was Paul Verhoeven, uh, his idea, because I guess he has like a degree in math or something. <laughs> so, so he, uh, he told that guy, he, he's the one who put the, the protractor uh, in that actor's hand and, told him that he like to do the math i guess like to have that math book so yeah shout out to paul verhoven for adding layers to even the smallest character Uh, i thought that was amazing yeah yeah i mean those kinds of details are littered throughout this because he truly is like an asshole auteur you know he is not going to compromise he's not interested in uh leaving anything to leaving anything open frankly, you know, like the detail of that guy, the the way that he had to figure out how to show uh, the emergence of, of RoboCop utilizing, you know, the POV, the, the desire to show TVs in the background with stories that capture the culture of this world he's built, like the Nukem game commercial in particular is one of my favorites. <laughs> like just, just so many things that you, you, that, that you just don't see coming that only an auteur can do. And you just don't usually get an auteur on a movie like Which this. Which seems crazy until you mm-hmm. realize like Battleship is an actual game. Like and so that we yes. play uh, where we blow up each other's yeah. battleships. <laughs> so yeah. Nukem, and Nukem's it's a bad not movie that, as well. Nukem's not that ridiculous uh, when you think of uh, that way. And I, I think it is funny though. You mentioned like the movies that made us thing and talking about how like Verhoeven was like very unruly and like unwilling to compromise. And mm-hmm. I haven't finished the special features. So maybe as I go through them, they will get to that. But everyone that I've heard from so far on the Blu-ray has said the opposite, that he's very collaborative and, uh, you know, he would take suggestions and he would uh, ask the writers what they meant specifically. And if he disagreed, he would kind of like, you know, work with them on. So I don't know. I just think that's wow. weird that that's I haven't I, I haven't encountered that. And that was from everyone from the two writers that uh, worked on this to Nancy Allen. Everyone said how great he was to work with. So, oh, my gosh, you gotta <laughs> watch the movies that made us it, literally yeah. all those same people are like when Paul came in, he wanted to rewrite the script. We were like, you can't do that. Wow. OK, yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah. Have, to, I'll, have, to, I'll have to check it out then. He also had like a huge beef with uh, Peter Weller, the guy who plays Robocop. I don't know if there's huh. any cool special features about that, but that, that's something I learned on the movies that made us as well that I did not see coming. Yeah, I wish I had more time. I mean, the special feature is really in depth. Like, I mean, between the, the between the writer's interview and the Nancy Allen interview was like an hour right there that I watched. I, I watched. Uh, I watched all of all of that, and I was like, "Damn, I'm not going to be able to get through all of these in time." But I got. I mean, those were like the ones I feel like that I I, I got a lot from those. So we'll, I'll bring those in uh, if they come up. But yeah, just my like uh, my little things I had. Um, I get like these couple things. It's like you have to have them in there to get the movie going. But like, why do Lewis and Murphy go in alone with no backup? It says backups coming in 10 minutes. Do they really think the bad guys are going to like dip out in 10 minutes? Like they couldn't have waited. Yeah. You know what I mean, like they just got there. That's a good point. The guy, the bad guys just got there and, and they were, and, and he, he says, it's up to you, Lewis. And she says, let's do it. And it's like, wait, what? There's like eight guys in there versus you two. And they're, and they're, they're fully low. You've seen the weaponry they have. It's not like they're, they're not carrying. So 
I just thought that was a bad call by by Lewis, unfortunately. And then uh, he gets shot in the head, which I feel like would just put you out, He's like dead. lights out. Yeah. And then the next scene, it's him getting on a stretcher in the hospital, being like, "We got slow breathing. Uh, all right, let's let's try and bring him back." It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I feel like someone shows up on the scene, they're putting him in that body bag and being like, you know what I mean? It's it's. It's done. Yeah, there's no We're way not... his heart is still beating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, I get that this is like a science fiction movie and you kind of need that, you know, Frankenstein monster, you know, he's dead, but not really dead thing. Uh, and then uh, the other one was just that the Ed, I think it's Ed 209, the <laughs> the the robot, that they, the military robot being defeated by stairs is just hilarious. Like, so just, good. and that's it. He doesn't, he appears once after that, but like that was the big showdown with him and Robocop and he trips over stairs and he's out for the count. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so good, especially considering how good it looks because there's yeah. also something amazing about the motherfucking miniatures in this movie. Oh yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. Detailed they are. And there's something kind of cool about how the 209 growls. I don't know if you heard it it's a, it's, when it's you're like watching. Roaring. It's yeah, roaring. Like and, it and when it falls, it's yeah. screaming. It's and when crazy. it falls, it's it's like uh, it's like screeching. It's like yeah, they use animal sounds to like give it a, a kind of a personality. It's it's funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, let's let's get into some of the the filmmaking and performances here. Uh, as I said, it was written by Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner, which. The only thing I think the biggest piece that I learned from the special features about them is that they kind of met very organically. Like they were working uh, for like these movie studios at the time and they had a very similar idea of a movie, that a science fiction movie they wanted to make. Uh, one of them had the idea of kind of this uh, like super, super cop. Um, you know, and I, I guess it's like more more to what this this version of the story is. Um, that was Ed Newmeyer, and then Michael Miner kind of had more of the socio political uh, angle, and the you know be- because of the like the Vietnam he lived through Vietnam and everything, and so he wanted to insert those type of uh, things and in, in relating it to like capitalism. But it sounded like they were very much on the same page with, with what they wanted to make in in their own science fiction movie, and then they just kind of like wrote it together and made it you know one one entity and. Uh, it turned into RoboCop, which I thought was great. And then they said, like, once it got into Paul Verhoeven's hands, which the funniest part about that is uh, the first time Verhoeven read the script, he threw it in the trash. He didn't even read it. He, uh, I think he he read the title of it and he threw it in the trash Classic. and was like, what the fuck is this? And then his wife, his wife picked it up out of the trash and actually started reading some of it and was like, Paul, you actually um, should read this. There's a lot more to this than what you're giving it credit for. And then uh, once he read it, he immediately like signed on to do it. So it was the collaboration, I think of, t- of those three. And then the producer whose name I don't have in front of me right now, but he, he came from like the Roger Corman movies. And so all four of yeah. their kind of different backgrounds, aesthetics, ideas of what to do with the movie really formed this unique blend that is RoboCop. And so I love that. Yeah, truly magic. You know, one of them says on the movies that made us that they had lightning in a bottle and they really did because I cannot explain or account for how this movie ends up being so good and so well done, considering 
how expensive it was and how ambitious it was. But that just speaks to the artistry of everybody involved, including the actors, because every, all the actors are so good. Like trying to figure out a performance was so hard. Trying to figure out a shot or a sequence that is the best one was so hard because it feels like it's unrelenting action. So how do I even define the sequences (laughs) or the shots, you know? Right, exactly. Like, where does it start and where does it end? I think that has a lot to do with the pacing of the film, too, which is just, it's 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 an hour and 40 minutes, but it flies by so quickly. There it, it, there Absolutely. really is no fat on this movie. Uh, it, it just, from scene to scene, and they, t- they kind of talked about in the writer's interview, like how nowadays... Uh, there would be a backstory with the family at with the cop at the beginning setting up that his family life is dysfunctional and not working that he has to be a good cop to make up for that at the end like that would be the modern version of that and robocop is like nah you're gonna get like a like a an ethereal uh kind of walking through the house scene like reenacting his family life scene and that's it and some flashbacks here and there but other than that we're we're not even gonna give the kids na- the family's names. If you look in the credits, it's uh, Murphy's wife and Murphy's son are the credits of those actors. <laughs> oh my god, so that's amazing! They they and really like how- did not put any cards in that storyline at all, and I love that. I you don't need it. It really is not what this movie's about. This movie's about Murphy as a cop, uh, and and, and just the cops versus criminals in in this society. Yeah, and that's it. Yep. Yep. And I think that's also something that the uh, that the writers talked about was that they didn't want Murphy to have a love interest that Nancy Allen is only supposed to play an equal. Like so a happy female that that's equal not. Cop. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And she does a great uh, like a great job of when he is asking after his wife and what happened to his family. She totally responds like a colleague would and sort of says, like, listen, man, you know, she moved on with her life. She thought you were dead. And a male colleague of his absolutely would have said that. So I love that that's a line that Nancy Allen has. And I just love that she's here. She's, of course, one of my faves being one of De Palma's cheeks. Uh, I love her. I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny, too, like just seeing her in all these, uh, you know, restored Blu-rays, like speaking about her experiences. Now, like, I got the carry, I got the carry one. I got the dress to kill one. Uh, I got this one. And she she's on all of them. She's very willing to speak about you know, her experiences filming these and it sounds like she had like a ton of fun, which I always love hearing because it's not the same with all female actresses back then. So uh, that's true. (laughs) So I love to hear that she had like a really good time uh, making these and like can look back like fondly. The only thing she complained about in the special features was her haircut (laughs) and and saying that she she wishes. Yeah, it's they they really kind of did her dirty uh, with that. And she says that if she had, um, you know, one thing she would change, it would be like to cut it shorter so that it would like still hold up to like a modern day look, you know, uh, but right, it's, totally. it's very 80s. So it kind of still fits into like what was happening in the movie, too. So I do kind of I do kind of like it for what it is, because it's like she is she is still like a badass and you believe her as like a cop, you know, when she takes off the helmet and, uh, you know, she's blowing the bubble gum and taking no shit like it's 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 a it's a really cool like partnership they have and they establish in like a couple scenes like again you don't get a lot of like heart to heart moments with them like they meet they go to this drug bust murphy dies boom boom boom, yeah. boom. and then we're, we're getting where the movie's rolling it's like it's everything is uh is rolling through the action and through the plot which i just i love that about this movie it's it's just there's again it's there's how no it should fat. be 
no fat to it. Yeah. Exactly. This is how action films are. This is what makes a good action film good is the ability to be this concise about its characters and its storytelling. And it's also a testament to Nancy Allen just being able to have this kind of uh, dexterity. You know, she in she's in so many meaningful movies and she often plays someone really pretty, someone really soft, someone who is fragile. And there's something really cool just about not only her having, you know, matching haircuts with Murphy, but also being able to get the physicality in those hilarious catchers uniform looking police uniforms that she, they she wear. She talked and about that. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, so good. Just challenging, you know, she talked about like how she, that was the first, the first thing she said is I don't want to be a love interest because it doesn't feel right, which I think was a good call. And the second totally. thing was that, uh, you know, she just um, kind of was, I don't know if she like dressed up in it was very it was kind of confusing the way she described it but basically she felt like um she didn't want this to be like she takes off her helmet and like her long flowing hair comes out of it like Charlie's Angels you know what I'm saying like she wanted it to be right totally uh it didn't again that didn't feel like the type of movie that this was and and she said her dad was a cop so she really felt connected to this cop world and and had a feel for it so i thought she brought all of that like she really did bring a lot of a lot to that character which doesn't have a lot of backstory at all um i think that's totally. all her performance um so and she, and she does that in all her movies like she even if you know again she's she's like a leading lady but they don't necessarily give those leading ladies back then a lot of meaningful story and and and, and so it's all up to the performer to bring that and i think she brings it every time so yeah i, I love nancy allen too yeah same same she is the best and yeah to to try and identify what i think is the best sequence i think the only thing that continues to stick with me is blowing up that gas station i think for me okay that is the thing i always remember him walking through the fire and then now as like an adult rewatching it and it looks amazing how, it looks amazing yeah yeah the it's practical, like even the whole sequence of the guy driving away and like running someone over and just that even that explosion isn't all that happens in the scene. It kind of keeps going. And I wish Nancy Allen was there because then there'd be two exploding gas stations in film she's been in and she would have been right there for both of them. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good one that I even think about. Um, I guess for like my shot, I went away from the action, not saying that there's not a lot of great action shots in here. Um, but I just thought like the, the shooting of the POV shots of like when Robocop first wakes up, I think that was like very groundbreaking. Like I can't really think of movies like before this that really did. I'm sure maybe there was, but like, I don't know. Like I really like that's used. I I just watched uh, VHS 94 and there's a segment about um, cyborgs. And when it wakes up, they use the exact same technique of like, it's from the cyborgs perspective. And I'm like, that's RoboCop. Like that's what I first thought of. This is RoboCop. Um, And, and I guess to extend that even further, like the scene I was talking about where he goes to his family's house. And again, no dialogue, no like backstory where he's really like, reading on a computer like you know that's again that would be like today like he's finding it on the computer like no he goes to the house and he's every time he steps in a room it's like a new memory and i just think it's like very like ethereal and tragic like that he 
is not human anymore, but he still has these like broken memories from when he was a human. Like it makes you feel all of that and just very simple using very simple techniques and that blown out like white lighting um, in that beautiful house. So, yeah. Yeah. And it subverts the idea of being haunted by memories. Usually when a Mm -hmm. cop is haunted by memories in this type of movie, they're bad memories. And this movie does an amazing job of subverting that where when he, yeah, when he encounters his wife, she sort of says, there's something I need to tell you. And she is looking like it might be bad news. And then she says, I love you. I love you. And yeah, yeah it's so such a sweet moment. And it, it just is really nice that that's the kind of family he's from. And he can feel them, but he can't remember them. You know, that kind of sensation is, is closer to a grounded reality uh, again. And the, and the, 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 Early on, he does the the gun flip thing, which becomes kind of a memory thing, too, which is really nice. But also, you know, he mentions that it's from his son and this show that he watches, RJ Laser, which is like, uh, you know, PJ, what is it, TJ Hooker, PJ Hooker, uh, <laughs> uh, like, you know, spin on that. And uh, and so then when he goes in the house, he sees his son watching that and you know thinking like that's the coolest or whatever so that, that's another thing that like throughout the movie that becomes like his signature move um along with like some of his lines like uh you know dead or alive you're coming with me uh, <laughs> uh which are just like iconic in the way he delivers so them yeah um so 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 good but yeah let's so speaking of yeah. that what what is your favorite performance in in this thing because uh there's a lot to choose from honestly <laughs> I know it's real hard. Obviously, we talked about Nancy already, but I think my favorite takeaway from this is Kurtwood Smith as the drug lord bad guy who, you know, kills Robocop, kills Miguel Ferrer on behalf of the other corporate guy, is such a scary drug dealer type, you know, yielding the cannon gun and shit. Like, I know him from that 70s show more so too. where he's just Foreman. like a hard ass dad. Yep. Exactly. And it's so funny to think of how that show is sort of also responding to a post Vietnam world. And so is this mm-hmm. movie. And yep. he is a powerful presence in both of those spaces. And he's just so maniacal in a way that makes but him one likeable. of the best villains of all time. But likable, yes. like all yes. the best villains, like Alan Rickman in Die Hard, like Hans Gruber, like, there's just something about him that like he's a dick, but also very funny. Like again, the first moment you see him and uh, he's like, you burn the fucking money. And he's like, <laughs> he's like berating the guys for like ruining the money. It's funny. Yeah. Like, you're like, wow, this guy, this guy is really funny. And, and uh, when he's like, he tells the guy to slow down. He's like, are you sure that's a good idea? And he like straight up just like kicks the guy. And he's like, if you don't just slow, fucking slow down. <laughs> He's just, he's like losing it and like giving his all in like every scene. And so uh, I just, he's, he's so committed in this role and uh, I love it. Nancy Allen was gushing about it on the special features, how, how much he brought to the, to the role. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think it it had to be him for me too. Like, he's just so memorable. The the, the Coke scene that you're talking about with the, with the two girls. Yeah. (laughs) Bitches leave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so good. Just, I mean, every time people talk about this movie, they play that clip because it's, yes. it's equally as powerful and memorable as all the clips of Peter Weller dressed as RoboCop and and doing his thing too. Or can you fly, Bobby? In the in the the chase scene, like. <laughs> 
but you probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, you know, just so, so glib. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like you got like, again, like you said, Miguel Ferrer in this thing, Ronnie Cox, like some of the all time bad guys, Dan O'Hurley, which I was like trying to think, I'm like, where else do I know this guy from? The bad guy from Halloween three season of the witch is, is that's who that is. I was like, oh, there man, of are. course, he's the he's he's basically playing the, the bad guy in a suit role once again. Uh, like, but classic. Uh, yeah. So it's again, they just they reuse some of these like same like iconic 80s uh, bad guys, which I which I just love. Even like the sergeant guy, like the black sergeant uh, who's in this yes. thing. Like, you know, what I mean, all the small roles are like super memorable. Like when Nancy Allen's like, sorry, boss, like I fucked up. And any other 80s movie has the, you know, the black chief kind of like chewing them out. He's like, it's all right. He was an asshole. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, <laughs> they even subvert that uh, that cop trope, you know. So I just I love that th- that they do that. And uh, yeah, Ronnie Cox also plays the villain in uh, Total Recall and Beverly Hills Cop, two other yep. uh, iconic action movies from the eighties. So yeah, I mean, he also dealer's choice, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he also Ronnie Cox also has probably what is arguably the greatest line in the entire film. When he's talking yeah. to Miguel Ferrer in the best scene of the movie <laughs> that isn't an action scene. And is mm-hmm. like, we used to call the boss Iron Butt Boner. Yeah. <laughs> he says it so straight. He says it so straight. I it brings yeah. me so much joy that it's on film and will never get lost because it's too it's too good. But yeah, I think that that scene in particular is my favorite acting scene of the He gets some thing. good scenes. I also like yeah, so powerful. I also like too, like they set up um like this is again all through action on screen. Like it it shows his uh like his rules that he has, Robocop. And then it's it so it sells the yep. three rules, and then it says four, and it's like classified early on. And then you That's don't right. know what it is, and then so it makes rewatching it fun because I like the first time you probably don't even notice that. And then later on in the movie when he has the confrontation with him, with him and he's like, ah, yeah, part four, that's, that was my insurance plan. And it's like, oh, okay. Like it all, it, it's like, again, a very tight script. And I think the best action movies, um, you know, have that. So just wanted to shout that out. Totally. Yeah. I mean, same with the sort of middle finger joke that they use when he plugs his <laughs> yeah. spike into the computer and then gets like amazing blood the squirting out of Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So, so, so good. Which does bring me to, you know, best stunt, best kill. Most of the stunts result in kills here. So these categories come together. (laughs) What what are the ones that stick out with you just in terms of like a a best stunt? This is so tough. Uh, Like you said. Impossible even. I know. (laughs) I want to say the raid on the crack house uh you know what i mean just because it's so like probably it's probably the longest action scene in this thing and it's just like you know people uh you know flying everywhere uh he 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 slams uh kerwood smith through like four glass doors and windows <laughs> consecutively yeah. uh and uh yeah it, it's just a great sequence but i also do want to shout out murphy getting shot apart because it is one of the most graphic torture kills you'll ever see in a movie and it's done on a cop and, and it's it's pretty it's like it's horrifying yeah his hand gets it's blown intense. off and like Kurtwood smith like just like 
you know, doing the sound effects and like just kind of like toying with them before he does it. It's it's real fucked up. And and I think the the, the effects from Robotine, who also did the thing, like I literally said at one like during that part where it shows uh it's it's like it shows him from the back, Murphy, and he's kind of like screaming. And it's it's clearly uh a, a mannequin, whatever you want to call it um of of the actor but it still looks really good and i was like oh that kind of reminds me of the thing like the the body effects and the thing and then i when i found out it was rob Boutine, i was like of course of course that's why it looks so fucking good uh all, all the blood and stuff it, it looks so convincing so um yeah i it's 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 really a toss-up for me between those two i guess the the murphy getting shot would probably be my favorite effect and then if we're talking like stunt action set pieces i'm going with the rape so i'll split it between there but what about you Totally, totally. I mean, Murphy getting shot sticks out with me just like the gas station does. But I think my favorite stunt is uh, when they shoot through the muggers, when they shoot through the woman's legs, when she's being like assaulted by the muggers and they cut her hair. All timer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just such a good, like, again, another one of those moments where it intersects with reality in a way and it's kind of campy and satirical, but it's still pointing something out, you know, like women are being assaulted and RoboCop values that crime and stopping that crime just as much as these guys blowing everything up on the street, which is, you know, probably and, honorable uh, mention for stunt. Cause my God, the explosions. And, uh, that was another thing Verhoeven brought that they said on the special features, like in the original script, it was supposed to be like, you know, the bullet goes through her cheek or something and leaves a mark and then hits the bad guys like which, you know, you, you've seen before, but you've never seen uh, a bullet going through a girl's skirt and then blowing a guy's dick off in a movie. I can guarantee you you've never seen that before unless you've seen RoboCop. And it's so so good. A- again, that is why this movie stands the test of time, because they just come up with these fantastic ideas um that just worked and and they talked about the audience reaction too of like you know when you first see this movie you think that he shot the woman and you're kind of like oh shit and then when it's you realize he shot the guy it's like oh okay he got the bad guy but also oh shit he she shot the bad guy's balls off (laughs) so it's like it's like an up and down three times in that one action scene which is like i think that just makes it such a memorable that's that's a good call that's that's a really great um you know, set piece stunt because it, it, it's it, it could have been so small, but uh, they make it so memorable by just doing that. Yeah, he's just so good at inserting enormous messages into very quick moments, and that is also what makes this movie stand the test of time. Because even that is an example of more of the small kinds of details that he really that he really relishes in across this movie. And yeah, I guess I guess it, it is. It is just amazing that every scene has some kind of memorable stunt or some kind of unique, imaginative kind of stunt. Every scene. Yeah, because that's the thing about this movie, too, is you've never seen any of the things you've seen in this movie, right? None of them. No. I also wanted to shout out, too, real quick. I know we're kind of running short on time here, but, like, the the car that... uh like the one uh black thug gets and the one who has like the most annoying laugh and he finally yes, yes. And, he fi- and he finally gets like the sux whatever nine six thousand and he's like look boss i got it and, and then kerwood smith just like takes his takes the huge gun and just blows it up like i love that so good uh, that scene too because he's like oh man really <laughs> he was like so excited and just 
the 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 play on words that it's just that sucks sucks six thousand like it's just again there's jokes so on good. jokes in this thing there's jokes there's so many layers to every single effect stunt set piece and i guess that brings us to what's your favorite kill on this thing which is another uh hard category but you gotta pick for this show yeah i mean it is uh, it's a toss-up because i really like that miguel ferrer gets shot like 37 times in the legs before he gets blown up like the egregious way he is murdered is so good but i think the guy that holds the mayor hostage that he rips through the wall and just throws out I think that's my favorite just because it's so normal, right? It's like not an over-the-top exaggerated kill, but it does show you that like if he has to kill you, he's going to kill you. If he doesn't have to, he'll shoot through your legs and take somebody's dick out. But It's precise. He's going to kill whoever he's got to kill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's precision. And I love the – that's the only time you see him use the heat vision, which is like, you know, talking about Predator again. I love how the heat vision looks when he does it, and that's how he's able to locate him through the wall. Like, it sets that up really good. Um, So, yeah, that's a great one. I went with – again, this seems like the most Roger Corman uh, comic book part of the movie, like, (laughs) where the the guy who falls in the toxic waste and becomes like this – monster like damn like speaking of the thing like straight up the thing like just just oozing skin and like just horrific uh and he's like you know he he asks for help and like the goon is just like get the fuck away from me basically and like leaves him which is like so sad and then he just like goes in the middle of the of the road and gets run over and on impact just liquefies immediately like liquefies uh it's Epic. Again, there's so many different steps before it got to that, that it's like it's every every step is just like building to that amazing like end. And then Kurtwood Smith using the windshield wipers to wipe off his goo, flesh, blood, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And they set up the special features that that's that part, that death had the best audience reaction. Like th- that was the most favorable part of the whole movie to audiences. Like they loved it. So next level. I, it is. It's, it's, it's so unpredictable and so wild. I can see why, like I can see seeing this in a packed theater being like, Holy fuck. Like <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like you said, you picked the perfect word. It's truly incredible when that happens in this yeah. movie. And I know we're short on time too, but I feel like we didn't get enough time to talk about how specific and amazing Peter Weller's performance is as RoboCop. Like him mm. turning his head yeah, before he's great. he turns his body, like his, the way he chooses to speak and all of his movement. It's really good. Obviously easy to take for granted when everyone else is so amazing. But, yeah. You know, him holding. It's kind of a thankless. Is good kind of a thankless part even though he had to be in this humongous suit i'll I'll get into some of these special features here but uh the the suit was so hot and heavy they said that he was losing three pounds a day from sweat and water loss um and that eventually eventually they had to put an air conditioner in there because he was just like dying and i mean that that's with the makeup he had to do on the face like around the helmet and everything like it it sounded like such a pain in the ass that he had to sit in the makeup chair for hours on end. And, and that's not to mention to do that performance. Like we're talking about that, that great performance that he does with his lowering his voice, making it more robotic. They said that he uh, trained yeah. with a, a mime to get like his movements like more 
more robotic and, and like that. So I think all that that dedication really shows um, in the performance and it, it really sells it because it that's what separates this from being like a cheesy, like whatever 80s forgotten film, I think, is like every every single actor is committed in, to what they're supposed to do. Yes, and so much so that I can't wait for you to watch the movies that made us also. Because I gotta check it out, yeah. Yeah, years in between have made it easy for people to be salty. You know, they like, basically they said that uh, Peter Wellen was method. He only, uh, Peter Weller was method. He only wanted okay. to be called Robo on set. And everyone oh, thought that was like pretty annoying. <laughs> 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 Which is so funny to think of because who, who could be method? Uh, in this movie, but doing that, you got exactly. to, you got to, I guess, admire the dedication. Like you're and saying, I do love sure. one of the best last lines in any movie when they ask him what his name is. And he says, Murphy, uh, they said that audiences were screaming so Murphy in the theater the first time they saw it because they set that part up. So again, I, I want like, this is it. one of those movies. I wish I could go back and see it in a theater back then because i feel like this is such a unique film that like i like, like people's minds were probably like blown like my mind was absolutely was blown like the first time i saw this i was like what is this movie uh, so so good yeah if i had a time machine i would solely use it to travel back in time to see movies <laughs> to see Robocop. premiered nice and safe i don't think i could mess anything up doing that and i will hit you up when i get access so you can come with me all right. Yeah, deal. And then the, I'll have one more here and then we can get out of here. Uh, just that because the suit was so ginormous that every time you see him getting in and out of the police car, uh, it's very deliberate if you look at it because he didn't fit in the car with the costume. So they had to kind of shoot. They had to shoot it in pieces to where like if it was his top half he only had the top half on. And if it was his feet, he only had like the feet half on. You know what I mean? Like the feet parts. Wow. (laughs) So amazing. uh, Yeah. So it's again, it's those little tricks that really sell it. And the fact they really don't show him as full Robocop into I want like, you know what I mean? It's only glimpses. It's from POV shots. It's from behind uh, that. Like uh, I can't that that glass uh, they have in the police station. Like, it's there they really um treat it like it's a it's a frankenstein you know monster reveal which i think was really smart too where you know maximum impact you finally see it and you're like whoa this guy's clean looking but also like human and you know and a cop and a robo cop that's what it, it, it tells you what it is so um yeah epic epic af um anything <laughs> else before we skedaddle out of here that that's all i got Nice. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you guys for listening in and leaving so many messages. I'm so sorry we can't get to them today, but appreciate you joining the conversation regardless. Um, Remind the people where they can find you. Yeah, you follow the show on Instagram at Action Movie Buffs. Follow me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit. And my movie page is at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shani B Movies. Uh, and if you came late to this live show, you can catch this episode of Movie Buffs on Spotify and Apple Podcasts Friday. Um, Stream Queens will be back on Wednesday covering episode nine of Only Murders in the Building. And other than that, thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time for another edition of Movie Buffs. <laughs>